We started this series dealing with the basics, talking about gospel implications um, to different parts of our life. So the first week, we, we really laid down, like, what does the gospel mean? What is the gospel? What does it mean to be saved? And, and this morning, we're, uh, last week, we talked about sanctification, that it, it changes the way that, that we live and we breathe, and it's all because of the gospel. We're changed because of it. And this week, we're talking about the church. So we're going to pick up here in Galatians 4, talking about the church and, and adoption and, and being a part of God's family. But uh, Galatians 4, 1 says, Let me explain further. As long as an heir is a child, he is no better off than a slave, even though he owns everything. He is placed under the control of guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. It was the same way with us. When we were children, we were slaves to the principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son into the world. A woman gave birth to him, and he came under the control of God's laws. God, um, God sent him to pay for the freedom of those who were controlled by these laws so that we would be adopted as his children. Because you were God's children, God sent the spirit of his son into us to call out, Abba, Father. So you were no longer slaves, but children, God's children. Since you were God's children, God has also made you heirs. Thank you, Dexter. Oh, thank you, Maylee. Awesome. Can you take that back? Thank you. All right, that's God's word for us this morning, church. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, I, I thank you so much for this morning that we could meet and we could worship you. And God, that as we, we gather together with our church family, I pray that we would, we would think about this moment. We would think about this, this church family You've called us to. God, we've been adopted into Your family by grace alone through faith alone. You have adopted us. But You've also called us to be a part of this local family. You've called us to the local church. And I pray that we would begin to see the need for one another, and to, the need to be there for one another, the, the need to be on mission, the, the need to engage with one another, to do life with one another. God, as we do that, we would see Your church flourish. We would see an obedient people living for You, faithfully living for You, doing as You've called us to do. But this morning as we Look to Your Word. I pray that You would just convict our hearts. You would comfort us, encourage us, and direct us in the life that You've called us to live here and now. God, that we would see that the Gospel changes everything. And let us not take it for granted. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in this passage, we're, we're coming out of chapter 3 in Galatians. And Paul is writing about this idea of, of being under the law and, and that we've been set free and um, that the, the law was something that was guiding us. And there was this, this law and this, this promise and the, the promises to Abraham and we are heirs. And that's where we pick up here in chapter 4. And the, the main point um, I want to drive home for us this morning is we are adopted into an active family. We are adopted into an active family. How many of you kids are active? How many of you all, if you would, raise your hand, kiddos. Do you play sports, right? How many of you all like to go to the park? How many of you all like to play in the mud at the park? 
A couple hands went down. Okay, mine would. I was just showing you all that you raise your hand. I don't like getting muddy. Um, my daughter has her hand raised, but I know that she doesn't like getting muddy either. She got uh, some mud on her knee the other day and like nearly lost it. Um, Maylee, uh, you all know she likes to. She likes her princess dresses. She likes to to doll herself up. So mud was like some kind of foreign creature that found its way onto her uh, clothing. But but we kids we're we're called into and adopted by Jesus into an active family. Now what we mean by that is if you believe in Jesus, if you surrendered your life to him, you're saved, you're born again, you're regenerated. These are all synonymous words to say that you're saved, right? Then you've been adopted into an active family. Not an inactive family, an active family. This used to drive me nuts around tax season when I was a kid. Because my parents saw that money and they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go get a YMCA membership. And as a kid, I loved playing sports, right? I was, I was pretty active, but I did not like going seven days a week to the gym. I'm sorry, any parents, that you, you take your kid to the gym seven days a week. Not a knock on you, but I was just not meant for this active family. I felt this conviction even yesterday as, as my wife, she, she asked me, she said, hey, it's just... Maylee wasn't with us. She was out with her cousin. She said, hey, why don't we take Ever and we'll go for a walk up to the square. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that, right? And she's like, well, we're going to go on a walk if you want to come. They like got out the door. I'm like, all right, I need, to, I need to be involved in this family. Like this is the family God's given me. I need to be involved and I need to be active. I need to be active in my kid's life. I need to be active in my marriage. And even though it seems silly because it's just a walk, I need to be active. And as I started pushing Ever in her loud car it's just plastic and super loud just pushing her and she's looking back at me and smiling like what are you doing on this walk you never come on these walks dad and it made me realize like it's so important that we're active in our family particularly our church family which is the greatest family we could ever be a part of so we are adopted into an active family and i want to talk about two points to drive that main one home that's adoption and apart a part not apart so a part of, not a part from. Very important to understand that. But first, let's talk about adoption. Things change because of the gospel. Amen, church? Things change. Everything changes. It's not just things. We should say everything changes. Our view of sin, our view of the world, our view of people, our view of ourself, our view of our kids, our view of our um, spouses. Everything changes. And it should change. It should, as we talked last week, it's this, this act of obedience. We're pursuing holiness, which is contrary to our very nature, which Paul says is, is wrath. But we've been adopted, so things change. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is owner, he's the owner of everything but he is under the guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So Paul is, is hitting home this, this idea that, that the law has been this guide and it's helped guide us, but we've needed a Savior. We've needed the good news. We've needed Jesus. We've needed the Messiah all along. And it still is so true and applicable Today, to those who are trying to follow some kind of moral code for their salvation, that it is simply a guide that we without Jesus are slaves to our own sin. 
They used to be under the law. Church, we used to be under the law, but Jesus set us free. What's it say? But, in verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a born of woman, born under the law, to do what? To redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption. Church, can you say adoption? Kiddos, can you say adoption? Awesome. A little louder. Great. Good job. Adoption. So that through Jesus, we're no longer under the law, but we've been set free from the grace that is received only through Jesus, the good news of Him. This is so important. And Paul compares this to that of a slave in in verse 3, that we were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world, but, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption. So that we would no longer be orphans, as as we talked about in the past couple weeks, dead, right? The dead don't belong to, to anybody, right? But the grave. But we've been given life and we've been adopted. We've been redeemed and adopted into the family of God. And this is something important to understand because we, we have this mentality here that we, we want to be so inclusive, right? And I don't mean in, like inclusive, inclusivity is a bad thing to have, like don't invite people here anymore, right? This is, this is for our people. Don't invite people here. But what I mean is we are so inclusive to the point where we start to water down Scripture and include everybody in everything so that they're not called to anything, And what I mean by that is not everyone is a child of God. Now that does not mean you can't become a child of God. That's the difference. But children of God are heirs of the promises of God. Children of God are saved people. So when you go and you you share the good news, you're calling them into the family. So when you say you're already family, it's like, all right, then I don't need to do anything. So I'm not saying inclusivity is bad, but we need to understand what God's Word says. Kiddos, can someone bring me John chapter 1, verse 12? Parents, you can help your kiddos. I see Nathan's like, Mark, 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 Mom, Mom, someone. Someone just give me this Bible. We got it. Lincoln. All right, buddy. Hand me that Bible and you can pick yourself out a prize. I lost the page. Oh, no, I got it. Oh, you want me? I, I lost your bookmarks, what I did. I'm losing them all, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no one's ever going to bring me their Bible again. All right, I'm, I'm actually good. I got it right here. John 1, verse 12. What does it say? It says, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And it goes on, it says, children born of not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. There you go, buddy. Thank you. You can take a prize for sure. You already have that one from last last family Sunday. You gotta change up these prizes. (laughs) 
So it talks about those who received him. So we're not taking the, the fact away that you can become adopted, but we have to understand what adoption is, that, that we were held captive, we're slaves to our sin, to our depravity, dead children of wrath by nature, and the gospel not simply saves us, but adopts us into a family greater than anything of our own. And that's beautiful. That's something we should hear. That's something we should celebrate. That's something that should drive us in our evangelism. Look, you're not here yet, but I want to call you into God's family. But you've got to believe in Him. You've got to surrender your life to Him. What did Jesus do? He died on the cross. He did not simply die on the cross. What happened after that? One day, I'm going to die too. One day, our relatives, each person here is currently perishing. Literally, our life is going to the end, the date that God has set for us, and we will, in this physical sense, die. But the importance, especially when we're sharing with our kiddos, kiddos, is that Jesus didn't just die on the cross. Amen, kids? What did He do after that? He rose up. He defeated death in the grave. The story of Lazarus we talked about last week was not... Um, amazing because he called his friend back to play another board game with him. He was showing his power over death that it had no grip on him and it will have no grip on his people. And that's good news. And John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, plural. We are adopted into a family. We're, we're not only childs in this situation. We're not the only child to God. We are in a family. We are a part of God's family now. Point number two. We are a part of, not a part from. We are a part of. And I want to talk about, just make a quick distinction here. We are all a part of the universal church, Right? That means all believers across all times, not the universalist church that says everybody's saved and everybody is a child of God. We believe that we, all believers across all time who hold to the orthodox beliefs of the Christian faith, those believers across all time, we're all linked together. You are part of the same family as the apostles. You're part of the same family as the prophets. Everybody who's been saved across all time. That's the church but you are called to be a part of the local church. You've been gifted and equipped for mission within the local church. Now we come together as the universal church through offerings like our Annie Armstrong um, offering. We're going to play a video in a little bit after service to talk about that. But we give to those missions and those missionaries and people across the nation and the world to care for them and see the kingdom advance here and there. But we are part of a local church because God's placed us here in Medina. He's placed us in the corner of our neighborhood or wherever you live in your neighborhood or the land that you have, 14 acres. The people are beside of you for a reason. And the local church is where we accomplish the mission that God has called us to. We cooperate. We're active because we've been adopted into an active family. Kiddos, one more Bible drill. This is important. If you want to be able to, to take away um, a prize that you may already have, Lincoln says. Then you want to participate. Kiddos, hold your Bible up. Last one. Last one. Judah's ready. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12-31. through 31. 1 Corinthians 12. And you can run up here. There's no rugs. You won't slide like you do in the hallway. Oh, we got someone. Run! Run! 
Oh, it's a race. Oh, I'll tell you what. Hey, Malachi, come here. That was a great effort. You guys gave it your all. Hey, William. There you go. You know that? There you go. William, here. Wait. Is that Miss Lana? Lana came up too. I'm all out, Lana. Your brother will share with you, though. All right, I'm going to read this. Read this for you. What is it? You're not, oh, okay. Your brother's not sharing with you, he says. I think mom and dad will say something different. All right, 1 Corinthians 12 says this. This is going to be a lengthy passage, so Malachi, you can sit down, you can hang out, you can open up your toy, whatever you want to do. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 picks up and says, For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized in the one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sen- where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and, want, and on the, those parts of the body that we think to be less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and the, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Thank you for standing that long, brother. Paul continually gives us this imagery that we are one body. Like church, that's, that's literal. We don't have to like think about it. Like He's pretty much saying if you feel like you're the big toe in the church, nasty and calloused, you still have a purpose in the church. He's saying if you feel like the, the thumb like, that has like an ingrown nail in it, you still have a purpose in the church. And the person who is the eyes or the mouth of the church that's gifted in those ways, that seems to be that part of the church, is no greater than you, but gifted differently than you. We are all gifted in different ways. We are all called and adopted to this active family to use these gifts within the local church context to be a part of this church family. And maybe today you're like, well, what's that mean if I don't want to be here? Then get involved in a local church and be active in using your gifts. That's what God wants for you. 
We are to cooperate with one another, rejoice with one another, weep with one another. But that cannot happen if we do not, we not, we do, not do life together. If we aren't doing life together, then we're missing the mark. We've been saved into a family. We've been brought into the fold of God by the blood of our Savior. That's why it's so important that it's not just coming and, and singing some songs together. And, and we know that we're different. Some of us share different interests. Some of you are like, I would never ever want to hang out with Pastor Michael outside of church. We just have different interests. Like Matt Atzman's like, he kind of like dogged me on cars. You got Ian, he's like, he dogged Akron. Like we just, we like, we like the word man, but we don't hang out with you. And that's cool because the body of Christ is a diverse body, but we are an active one. So you find and, and you gravitate towards people who share the same interest and you go and you do life together. You get another brother to come and work on the car project that you have. And you start talking about the truths of the gospel and how it changes your life and how it changes your marriage and how it changes your parenting style and how it changes the way that you work and interact and live around one another. But that cannot happen outside of the context of the local church. It becomes artificial. It becomes unauthentic. The greatest discipleship, church, will happen around the grill. It'll happen around the, the cigar lounge. It'll happen around the, the local diner where you're going and you're having breakfast with the guys. It'll happen in the places outside of this building because this is a building where the church gathers. This is not a place where the people are the church. We are the church to go out and to live and to live together, to do life together. To use our gifts together. Anything outside of that is missing the mark. The gospel changes the way that we do life together. It changes everything. So we leave here today understanding that we are adopted into an active family. But I want to challenge you as the band comes back up here. What is your gift? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you're like, I have no idea what gift I have. I don't know how God has gifted me. Then I'd say, come talk to one of the pastors. Pastor Gary's back there taking pics. He can get some of you all who are gifted and taking some photos. And Pastor Simon, we'd love to just talk to you about how God has gifted you. And then see, how does that play a part here in, in this local body? How can you come alongside of us in areas where, where we're weak and God has given us a strength in you? We need you and you need us. That's crazy, right? I like, can't even look at my wife and say you need me. But like, we can look at one another and say we need each other. We absolutely need each other. You need me, I need you, we need each other. Because God has saved us into this family that is greater than anything of our own. And it's an active one. So how can we identify that gift and how can we begin to use it? How can we do life together?